tnholler.com at the tnholler on twitter and facebook we appreciate all the support you guys give us as always we survive on your small dollar monthly donations that stuff really helps so thank you so much for everybody who's contributing you can also subscribe at tnholler.com today i'm going to get right to it we have an awesome guest congressman jim cooper is here with us folks Congressman Cooper, how are you? Doing fine. Thank you, Justin. Good to talk to you. It's always great to talk to you. So I know this is a wild time. What is the focus? Can you just give us a sense of what people should expect from Washington right this second? Well, Congress has already passed two major bills, one to address the virus itself, $8.3 billion for health measures. That was signed into law by the president a week or two ago. Then last week, the president signed into law a much larger bill to help individuals, families with like paid medical leave, for workers and free testing so that we can begin the process of helping individual Americans deal with this terrible virus. Now, the third bill is the bill that's yet to be drafted and yet to be passed. And that could well be the largest bill ever passed in American history. It's almost certain to pass, but we don't quite know what's in it. There's a huge fight right now, not only within the Senate, and I was proud of the 47 Senate Democrats voting no to deny cloture so that we can get a more democratic bill, a fairer bill for families and workers and individual Americans instead of just corporate bailouts. Speaker Pelosi has also announced the House may well draft its own bill because we really can't trust the Senate author process. They were negotiating all weekend. And as you probably saw, Rand Paul was one of the negotiators. Probably he either infected several of his fellow Republicans or they are self-quarantining as a result and don't know whether they're infected. And the entire Senate now is supposed to go to the Senate doctor to find out what precautions they should take. So we're facing this rare situation, never happened before in American history, where we don't know yet how we can vote safely on the floor of either the House or the Senate, whether we can vote remotely. That's never been attempted before. Several House members, as you know, Ben McAdams from Utah, Maria Yazbolart from Florida, have already tested positive. There are probably others, and a number are self-quarantining. Not only a, a once-in-a-hundred-year situation, this has never happened before in the 250 years of America. Really a, an exciting and a little bit of a scary time. Well, I did notice that Rand Paul tested positive. He was also... I think the only Senate Republican to vote against the relief bill. It's amazing how karma works. How concerned are you and how concerned should people be? Do we need a more stern stay-at-home order in Tennessee, do you think? Justin, you mentioned that uh, Rand Paul had voted against the second relief measure. Our own Marsha Blackburn did as well, which was a real shame. The vote was something like 90 to 8, and Marsha, sadly, was one of the eight. Everyone should take the virus seriously. You know, anyone can get it, anyone can spread it, and it's essential if we want our hospital system to survive, people to really be able to get care when they need it, that we flatten that curve. If we're too little and too late with a response, not only could the disease last a lot longer, it could be really, really bad because we need the ventilator capacity in the hospitals. Donated blood last Friday, and I would encourage everybody to think of the American Red Cross because people are needing blood supplies right now, not hoarding supplies. Get what you need, but don't get more than you need. We'll get through this together. The Defense Production Act and how the president has been reluctant to essentially invoke this act, which would enable the government to require certain private companies to foster resources towards the government, like masks, start making ventilators and things like that. Do you think that's something that he should do? And what can you tell us about the Defense Production Act? Justin, I think every American wants to know that government at all levels, federal, state, and local, 
is on their side and doing what they can to help. So the president did a tricky thing. He invoked the Defense Production Act, but he did not trigger it. He's kind of using it as a sword of Damocles to hold over companies' heads. Now, a number of companies do seem to be stepping forward. Our own local distiller, Corsair, is handing out free hand sanitizer because they converted their alcohol production. Companies like 3M, Honeywell have been stepping up. Now, we could make it mandatory, but you've got to ask yourself, like, Will GM or Chrysler be able to make uh, ventilators tomorrow? Unquestionably, America is mobilizing. The question is whether we're mobilizing fast enough. The full power of the federal government and state government and local government need to be on our side to do what we can to minimize this this terrible disease. Some physicians and doctors have been urging, there's I think 2,000 now have signed on to a letter to urge Governor Lee to instill a shelter-in-place order, which I think is in place in Nashville, something that you talk about a lot, which is to take care of our uninsured Tennesseans. They say they can get tested, but what are they supposed to do if they're positive? I wanted to give you a chance to talk about how necessary Medicaid expansion is in Tennessee, especially right now. For years, I've been arguing we have to expand Medicaid. It's a terrific lost opportunity for our state. We've already lost 12 hospitals in our state, and now we need them more than ever. We're losing a billion dollars a year in medical help that our state could have been getting for you know the 10 years since we've had the ACA. It's really a shame that Tennessee is one of 14 states that hasn't expanded Medicaid. It's In fact, it's worse than a shame. It's outrageous, and people are dying as a result of that. But that's right now in this crisis, I'm afraid, spilt milk. The legislature is out of session. It's my impression that Nashville is one of the only cities in America that's gone ahead and taken tougher action than the state in which it is. So it's really important that we do everything we can now to minimize the spread of the disease by flattening the curve and making sure that our scarce medical supplies can last during this likely epidemic. So we've had a chance to be warned and to prepare. An amendment by Jason Hodges to offer relief to the workers who are not necessarily unemployed, but who are losing work hours. Absolutely. Uh, it's unlikely that the state legislature now being out of session, perhaps till the summer or the fall, is going to be able to take much action. So you need to look to the federal government for help. And there are all sorts of amazing proposals there, really things that hadn't even been seriously discussed since the Great Depression. It's kind of like a second New Deal or a second Great Society. This is an amazing moment of opportunity for people to get more equality in society, to get more fairness. The most urgent need right now is to get relief. I never thought I'd hear the day when Republicans would be saying, hey, maybe we should be mailing checks of $1,000, $1,200 maybe $3,000, and people need emergency cash right now. That's really the fundamental economic part of the crisis. It's a liquidity crisis. America is a rich, wonderful country, but no one was prepared for this novel coronavirus. We weren't as prepared as we should have been. And to get through this crisis, which is really a cash crunch, we need to have liquidity. And the Federal Reserve is doing all that it can, making available trillions of dollars for every element of the economy. Now Congress needs to step up and make sure that we pass what will be the largest bill in American history of $1.5, $1.8 trillion. That's going to help a lot of people, but we've got to get the help out fast. And we've got to make sure that the help helps individuals, not a corporate bailout, but a fair package that helps all Americans get through this crisis. You know, they say there's no atheists in the foxhole and, you know, there doesn't seem to be many conservatives in quarantine. How do we make sure that after this is over, that the things that we're talking about, that this crisis is laying bare, for instance, paid sick leave. Another one I think would be tying health coverage to our employers. That that seems to be a precarious situation. What can we do to make these things last? And is this an argument for maybe something a little bit closer to a single payer Medicare for all situation? 
I think it is. I think we're going to see a lot more focus on everyone being given the health care that they need and deserve because you cannot have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness unless health care is a right in this country. And it's never been before. But now it's a, a golden opportunity for everyone to realize how close they are to the disease and how close they are to peril. I'm sorry. I, my daughter is climbing on me as we're having this interview. I apologize. She's a sweetheart. She loves her daddy. That's awesome. Healthcare is a right. We need to make sure that everyone understands that government should be helping people. Abraham Lincoln really said it best, government of the people, by the people, for the people. But many Republicans have forgotten that over the years. There are opportunities here, whether it's initially by Medicaid expansion in Tennessee or by Medicare expansion or by making sure that everyone has affordable private health. Actually, if you talk to most doctors, they think that's actually the, the best coverage that you can get. Whatever it is, it's got to be affordable. It's got to be fair, equitably distributed. Give everyone a chance to be healthy and remain healthy. Nashville brags on being a healthcare capital. And sadly, we've lagged behind, particularly with our failure to cover the uninsured in Tennessee. We've lost 12 hospitals as a result, and we've got to make sure that everyone gets healthcare coverage. COVID testing should be free. COVID treatment should be free. There are opportunities now that are just in the healthcare area with student loans. It's outrageous that people will be suffering that obligation now when they can't even go to class. Thank goodness for the internet enables some remote learning. So the terms have changed, and we need to make sure that everyone has an opportunity to take advantage of the American dream so that if you work hard, if you play by the rules, you have an opportunity to succeed. It's really a chance for fundamental reordering of society. So we get things fairer. Franklin Roosevelt had to do this in the New Deal, repair capitalism in order to save it. Capitalism is not a perfect system. In fact, it's a deeply flawed system with the way corporate executives have exploited it by you really feathering their own nest. These stock buybacks from previous bailouts, it's really been an unfair system that's led us to the greatest inequality we've ever had in our country since the 1920s. One of the reasons we had the Great Depression, inequality was so great, capitalism lost touch with itself. So this is an amazing opportunity. And that's why you've seen very exciting and very important candidacies like by Bernie Sanders and by Elizabeth Warren. It's a little bit of a shame that they didn't get along better, but they each put out rival and very exciting solutions for the country. And we used to have a fairer, more equitable society in the past. Why can't we do that again? Because that's part of the real America. The Constitution was really written uh, to help average people. It wasn't there just for rich people. We've got to get back to our roots and help everyone for a change because it's the folks at the bottom and in the middle who need the most help. And right now they're being hammered. We here in Nashville, as you well know, we had the tornado and now COVID. It's a double whammy on our, a lot of our small businesses. And they're really suffering and they're really not excited about the prospect of borrowing more money, even if it were at a low interest rate. And by the way, the SBA, loan, SBA loans are something like at three and a half percent interest. Well, the government now can borrow money almost for free. Why aren't we passing that along to the average small business? So a lot of those loans should be forgivable. Some of those loans really should be grants. And we need this help for months, probably. This disease is not going to end quickly. I've seen Governor Lee sort of make the case that it's either people's lives or people's livelihoods. But it seems like the sooner we take this seriously and save lives, the sooner people will be able to get back to work. And so lives and livelihoods are kind of on the same side of the equation. And it, it seems like a bit of a false choice there. I do feel that at a certain point, we may have to take a look around and see that the economic carnage at a certain point, we may need to talk about where we go from here. What do you think comes next, Jim? And, and do you think that there is maybe going to be an argument to be made that like, we may have to accept a certain level of, of pain on the health side to make sure that we don't end up in a depression? Well, step one is for Congress to pass this third of the COVID bills approaching $2 trillion in size. We've got to make sure that that's a fair bill to get help to average people, not 
corporate bailouts. The second step will be a lot of leaders have said, well, we'll reevaluate in two weeks. And depending on when that two week period started, we're either one week in or it's just starting. So in about two weeks, we'll know a little bit more the extent of the severity of this. I'm hoping that people will not congregate together and spread the disease. Donald Trump, who now takes credit for acting fast, but we all know he didn't. Can you just talk a little bit about how delayed his response was and the damage that was caused by it? Well, unquestionably, President Trump missed a huge opportunity to get America ahead of the curve. He did shut down travel from China early on, but that's about the only thing he did. And that's more of his xenophobia than it is his concern for American health. Now he seems to be getting his head more in the game. It's interesting how he interacts with Dr. Fauci on TV. Tony Fauci seems to be America's number one health expert, and more and more the president's being forced to listen to him, almost against his will. We lost probably two months of opportunity when the president was not taking it seriously enough. And we're missing an opportunity right now when he talks about the Defense Production Act, but doesn't go ahead and trigger it. The full force of the federal government needs to be behind uh, easing this disease and one day curing it. But as Dr. Fauci has said, a vaccine's probably a year, uh, 16 months away. We are hoping that can be accelerated. There are other meds in the meantime, and the president's touting this malaria med, which may or may not work. The president is basically a salesman talking a lot of happy talk, and he's been anti-science virtually his whole career. And that's not helping us this time. But with folks like Dr. Fauci there, who's not a politician, who's a pure scientist who helped so much with the AIDS crisis and previous crises like Ebola, the more Dr. Fauci is listened to, the better shape we'll all be in. There have been some positive things that have come out of this. I don't know if you saw this, but this was in Clarksville. I'm just going to show it to you. This was a young boy who has the virus. He also has cystic fibrosis. And the people in Clarksville driving by his window, there was like a parade in Clarksville for him at the window. And there were about 50 cars that drove by. I want people to keep their humanity and realize that we're going to get through this together, that we've been through a lot worse. And I also want to give you a chance just to say some, some final words to people who may be justifiably very scared about where we're going here. You're right, Justin. We've got to keep our humanity above all. We're all God's children. We're all in this together. If we work together, we can solve any problem. America's been through way worse than this. This is bad, but we're thankful that it's um, not like Ebola. We do have a very strong health system if it's given enough time to adjust. I'm thankful there's Netflix and all these other great binge-watching opportunities. What are you watching? I got to ask, what are you watching? Years ago, I finished Game of Thrones. I haven't found anything quite as engaging as that is. Years behind on Homeland. I saw the first three years, but it's up to year eight now, and that's pretty amazing. Whatever you watch, it could even be that English baking show you know <laughs> it's amazing what, we're lucky that it's kind of the golden age of internet and of uh, streaming and binge watching because think what this would be like if you were just stuck with books that would be fine for me but many people are not uh, as used to that and we'll look back and we'll laugh and we'll hug each other and we'll be glad that we stuck together and did sensible things so that we could all survive together congressman cooper thank you for your time stay out of the gym and the pool and uh, stay away from Rand Paul. That's easy to do even in regular times.